Welcome to the Pilot Podcast. This week, we have a very special episode. Today, we're joined by actor Bethany Antonia, whom you most recently saw play Margot in Netflix's Get Even. Welcome, Bethany. We're thrilled to have you join us today. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Bethany Antonia, and I play Margot in Get Even, and I'm a British actor. Awesome. Okay, so let's just dive right in. How did you get involved with Get Even? So I had the script sent to me through my agent and I was actually away at the time I was I was doing a play and I was told that it was based on a book and that they were making this new series and I, I just came down and I did I did an audition and then did a couple of recalls and then got offered the role. Super awesome. simple. <laughs> How long did that process take? It was actually really speedy compared to compared to usual I mean not speedy I in between first audition and and getting the role it was maybe two months but Mm. it felt like it was super speedy because we had our first audition and then nothing just no news and then it was like four or five weeks until the first callback and then from the callback to the the being on set it was like a week we had like a callback a second callback the next day was the chemistry read and then we were moving to Manchester to film within like two days (laughs) Yeah, it was crazy. We had, I remember we found out we had the role on the Tuesday. They offered us the role on Tuesday and the read through was the Thursday morning and we got offered the role like Tuesday night. How was preparing your energy between wanting the job, suddenly getting the job and then having to immediately perform the job? So hard because you really try to like not get invested when you're auditioning. You try and just think it's just another one, it's just another opportunity or chance to meet someone. And you, you like block that part of your brain off from, from like diving in your head. You want to be in Manchester, but you, you won't let yourself get there because if you don't get it, it's so devastating. So for me, I was trying to like live my life, go about normal, but like not living my life, really struggling, like to stay safe. And, um, my agent called and he, I remember it was the weekend and he was like, we're not going to know till Monday. I'm afraid just go out with your friends this weekend, have a great time, don't think about it. And I was like, okay. And so then Monday came around and nothing, right? So I was like, it's gone, it's gone. Tuesday, I'm just gonna spend the whole day sulking. So Tuesday, I went to see my grandparents and I was just moping and just like being oh. annoyed. And then the phone rang and he was like, you've got the job. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and then I had like, like I say, one day to like pack all of my life into a suitcase and move to the North for three months. So I didn't really have time to adapt my energy. I just kind of had to go with it and like fix it on the train, like change my energy on the train. Oh my gosh. I guess that's part of the job. You just have to be ready to go. Yeah. And I think it kind of comes naturally. Like as soon as we were in the read through, you know, everyone's in the same boat. You've all just got there for the first time. I think that energy of being with the rest of the cast, it just naturally just falls into place. Awesome. So how about we talk a little bit about your character, Margot? So we see that she is this awesome young woman kicking butt in every sense of the word from actual fighting to scheming to your character dominating gaming. How did it feel to play such a force of a person? It was so cool. You know, Margot was such a a refreshing character that I don't feel like we see ever on TV. It was the first time I'd had the chance to audition for a role like this, a young black girl who's like a gamer and isn't 
sassy. She's just a nerd and just wants to do her own thing alone. Like that never happens, right? So it was such a breath of fresh air when I got that script through. And getting to play her was just so much fun. Her her bedroom was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. I was just like, let me stay here all day. <laughs> She's got like this triple set up, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Three screen setup. <laughs> yeah. So it was like the coolest thing. And I felt I was really lucky. I got some really cool storylines with her. And she was just kind of an actor's dream. You just She was a mix of everything. I got to be sad. I got to have two love interests. Just, just a, like an amazing character. Very exciting. And kind of diving deeper into that, you know, Margot goes from shyer and more reserved to, without giving away spoilers, being right in the thick of the action. So what sort of decisions did you have to make as an actor to portray that growth throughout the season? Yeah, I wanted, so it's kind of hard when there's 10 episodes because I wanted it to feel authentic, but at the same time, she has to go through so many different things so quickly. And especially because what the girls are doing is so high energy and so high impact. I didn't want it to be lost her own personal growth journey and I didn't want it to go from like one episode she's sat alone crying in the toilet to next episode she's like storming around the school like a badass right so (laughs) I really wanted to make sure that it felt natural so I did like a big timeline of hers and tried to figure out where the shifts could be like the tiny little moments that would make her a little bit more confident and there were some really nice little scenes like there's a scene with Christopher the character Christopher where they're in the the computer room and they have a little chat and that for me was like a turning point for her where she's built up and then just like picking nice little moments where I could like make a decision and then from that moment onwards she's going to be like this was really helpful because I didn't want it to get lost at all her self-development journey. Did you get a chance to talk to the writers or the director as you were planning out this timeline? Yeah so I mean as I say it was such a quick turnaround But we did get a chance to sit with Holly, who's the lead writer of the series. And she kind of gave us so much that she'd been working on for months about our characters. And she was always sending us stuff over email and just like ideas. And also Gretchen McNeil, the the writer of the books, was incredible. When I got the role, I emailed her and I just said, like, what? What's your take on Margot? How would you like us to play her? Because that's the thing, when you're playing a character from a book, there's this little bit of pressure because you want to do the author justice, right? You don't want them to watch the show and be like, that's not my character. (laughs) You want them to be happy. So I dropped her an email and just said, like, is there anything that you specifically want Margot to feel like? And she was brilliant. She sent over so much stuff. So I definitely had help off, off the best. That's so awesome because when you have these book adaptations, you're always wondering what did the author and even what did the fans of the book envision for this character and how do you portray that in live action? That can be difficult. Yeah, absolutely. It can. And we actually read, so I hadn't read the books when I got the script through, but as soon as I had my first recall, I read both of them. I read Get Even and Get Dirty. And so that when we had the chemistry reads, I was kind of like up to date with the books. But when we started filming, we all actually read the books together as a cast. We were, we were just the first two weeks, we were all just reading the books. So it was definitely important to all of us to make it feel right. And, and like you say, for the, the fans of the books originally, to feel happy and to feel like this was the show that they'd envisioned. With your crew, so speaking of the chemistry reads, with DGM, you're bound together by this higher mission, but you're also in different walks of school and social life you wouldn't necessarily present to the other students as this group of best friends. So how was it portraying that? Because there is this great chemistry between y'all, but you also are so great at showing that complication too. 
within that group? Yeah, I think what when I got the role, actually, I thought that I would spend more time with the girls than we actually did. We filmed all of our scenes back to back. So actually filming, we all spend more time with our individual friends or like friendship groups than we did as a cohort, which I think really helped create that look of of tension. It looked like we were all from different places because we actually were. We'd all been pulled from different parts of the, the room to come and do these scenes. So I think that helped. But I think just, just Andy Briley, the casting director, did such a great job at finding girls who did feel like they were from completely different walks of life because we all were. We were all completely different. And it was nice because we all had so much to learn about each other. Well, as soon as we started filming, it was like putting four different people who had lived completely different lives and we had like three months to learn about each other. So I think it was just brilliant casting. I think he did a great job. And your character is a gamer. Do you game at all in your daily life? I do a little bit. My, I mean, oh, Margo's nice. like an epic gamer. She's like yes. queen of the gamer. I mean, I have like a Nintendo Switch and a game on that. Awesome. <laughs> I love the Switch. Do you? Yeah. yeah. So I play on that. But I mean, Margo like takes it to a whole new level. That girl could game all day, every day for the rest of her life. <laughs> And you're not quite there yet with your switch, not but maybe, maybe one day. I'm following her lead. She's inspired me a lot. <laughs> what are some of your favorite Switch games? So I love Zelda. You know Zelda? Right? Yeah. yeah. And Animal Crossing right now is just like all I can think about. <laughs> I live with my partner and he loves Animal Crossing and... I don't know what the game is. I don't know how it's played, but I always see him like on this island. He's like doing different designs. And he often will complain to me in the morning, like when we're having coffee, like about the turnip prices. He's like, yeah. I just, I'm like really like getting killed on the market today. And and it you really like, it. he really talks about it. Yeah, it's part of my daily routine. Genuinely, it's like wake up, I go downstairs, I do some yoga and then Animal Crossing for like an hour. <laughs> you should play. It's really cool. It's really I will cool. jump in. I'll make my own little island. Is that is that something y'all do? That's the thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. You make your little island and then you have to sell turnips to get like turnips is like the stock market of the mm. island. And you get loads of money to make your island incredible. I'm gonna check back in in like a month and see where you're at with your island. No, hold me, hold me accountable. I like that. I will. I I did make a little profile on his switch, so I'll do it. There we um, go. <laughs> so speaking of being extremely online. I went on Twitter and I looked up Get Even and I just saw reaction gif and meme after meme that was like, again, we don't want to do spoilers, but it's just like, no, Margo, snap out of it. Don't trust him. Or like, yes, Margo, like get it, you know, and I won't say who people are yelling about, but there's a couple characters and it was just so fun to scroll through. But since you play Margo, this is a character, but someone you might be personally invested in. So how does it feel witnessing that fandom discussion online? It's so surreal. Mm. So like the first few days that the show came out, so the show came out in England in February and it, it did well. People watched it, but it didn't have like a big online reaction at all because the kind of people that were watching it just, it's kind of different over here. There's not that much of like a Twitter craze. So I, I wasn't used to it at all. And then seeing just hundreds of people talking about this character who you feel so protective of. <laughs> I found myself getting really defensive. <laughs> like, it's fine. People, people get really worked up about things and I was just getting really defensive. Or really just like overwhelmed and flattered at some of the nice things people say. But I've definitely like taken her on as like my little sister who I'm protective of. <laughs> and any tweets, I'm like making sure they're okay. <laughs> I feel very protective of Margot too. I just love that character. And like you said, it's so rare to get to see a black girl 
be that dynamic on a show and you get to have your own love interest. Like you said, you get to have your own story and your character development. And we're not witnessing Margot in relation to someone else. We're seeing her come into herself. And it was just so powerful for me. And I was like, when my nieces get a little bit older, I'll let them Aww. watch it. They're, they're under 10 years old now. So not yet, but, <laughs> not yet. <No> <laughs> but in a few years, I honestly keep this like mental list of movies and shows that do right by black girls that I'm like, okay, when my Aww. nieces are like 13, we'll like sit down and watch this. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely to hear. That was this lovely article that someone wrote for Teen Vogue saying mm -hmm. that like here we have a, a young black girl with two not one but two love interests and it's not a byproduct of someone else and it doesn't end with her being the joker of the pack and it doesn't end at her expense because when I was reading it I was really scared that she this was all going to be a big joke and at the end of the series it was going to be like oh that's why she had two boyfriends like of course they weren't actually interested in her because that's just so what we're used to seeing we're just so used to seeing black women at the pit of everyone's jokes and so it was so refreshing that I got to the end of episode 10 and she was fine. She was intact. She was still <laughs> like, they still liked her for her. It's just, and it says a lot, you know, that the fact that I expected that really, yeah. but I just feel so privileged to have got to play her. I really do. And you also looked so great too in the show and great now, but meaning sometimes <laughs> you'll see, I'll talk about this with Beej often when we review shows and sometimes I'll see a black woman on screen and I'm like, oh, there was no one who was like culturally competent, if you will, doing their hair or makeup. Mm, and yeah. you just looked so great. And we got to see you as yourself and everyone is free to wear their hair however they like, but it was just really cool to see you just like wear your hair out. Yeah. Um, how did that feel or how did that work? That was as soon as I read the, the first page of dialogue for Margot, I was like, if I get this role, she's going to have an afro. I just decided mm. because for me as a kid, that was all I needed to see. I needed to see one girl who looked like me rocking her natural hair and being proud of it. And I, I grew up chemically straightening my hair for years and years to the point where it would fall out and clump to my hands. And I really think if that would have been different if I'd just seen one girl that looked like me on television. So as soon as I got the, the scripts, I was like, she's going to have an afro if I get the part. And every audition, I went with my afro like a little bit bigger every single time. Like, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Just like them into it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> into like manipulation slowly. Just get used um, to this. <laughs> yeah. So that they wouldn't see Margot any other way. <laughs> and then when I got the role, one of the exec producers actually, we had a really lovely chat. He came and he said, you know, I really want Margot to have an Afro. How do you feel about this? And he wanted her to have like a hair journey. He wanted to show that she was getting more confident, but he didn't want her to suddenly get a boyfriend and then throw her hair away or like to, mm. to start doing, putting it away and see the Afro as like this default unkept version of herself. He wanted it to look like she was taking care of herself, but also being proud of her hair. And that's just so rare. Like to have a conversation like that with a, with a producer who isn't black or anything, just bringing it up because he's thought about it was so refreshing and then the different hairstyles that I had throughout the show, the hair and makeup team were just amazing at coming up with different ideas. And I had like this super cool plait at the back of my head one day and like bunch. It was just like, it was just a dream. Like you don't get to do that on many things ever. So it was just so nice. And I'm so glad that I like drilled it in there really early. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool to see. I read uh, Gabrielle Union's book last year, 
we're going to need more wine. And she talks about how difficult it was until recently getting to play with her own hair and having people who knew how to play with it and even incorporate it into the story. And it was wild to hear her experiences on like what I thought were pretty major movies and shows and having to sort of get there with her hair in a way that was that didn't have to be as difficult as it was. And so it was, it's very refreshing to both see you on screen, but also to learn from you now that it got to be part of your journey. Yeah, I'll have to read that book. It sounds like it's brilliant. I loved it. It was very, very good. I was so surprised at, at how it was when I first entered the industry. I remember my first ever job. Um, it was a pretty big soap in the UK and I went on it and I was so excited to go to hair and makeup and I went completely barefaced and my hair was just in a bun or whatever. And I got there and they were like, so we think you look great. You, you can just go as you are. And I was like, I was devastated. Like little me was expecting to have this like makeover. And I quickly realized that like, they just don't do that. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the capacity. They don't, the desire to like, to make a change. They just want you to, they can't do it. So they're just going to leave it. And that's how it is. And so I quickly learned that that's how it was. And that has been my experience for a really long time. I was just so lucky. Even that they were so willing to learn and to, and to do what was best for the character. Hopefully this marks a change in the industry. It's always good that people are paying attention to those details, which really matter and will impact not only the cast, but the viewers as well. Yeah, 100%. So it seems like you really got to know Margot, even develop her look. We're curious, which one of the characters on the show do you think you would be friends with? Oh, I think I would be friends with Ed, who's played by Dylan Brady. (laughs) He's a very good friend now in real life. We did our chemistry read together. And so like from the get-go, our characters just felt like the best of friends. But I think in the show, he would be my friend because he's just like easy breezy. He's just fun. Or um, Christopher, who's played by Jake, Jake Dunn, because I just love their characters. They're both like the drama nerds who just like don't want to be in any trouble. They just want to live their lives and stay out of drama. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of going back to Twitter and people picking favorite characters, what's it like interacting with a global fan base? Because now that it's debuted on Netflix, you have this international audience who are meeting these characters and wanting to know more about you. Yeah, that's been really exciting, actually. Getting DMs off people from all different countries and having to use like Google Translate to try and strike up some sort of conversation and getting it completely wrong. I did the other the other week, someone tweeted me from Brazil and I Google translated the response and just got all my friends messaging me like, that is wrong, delete it, that's completely <laughs> wrong. Like, and I was like, I tried, I'm really sorry. But it's been, it's really nice because people really go out of their way to try and strike up a conversation with you and, and to find the best way that you can understand each other about the things that they like about the show. So it's just been super cool. And I've been so surprised at how big of a fan base it's got in, in different countries. I just didn't, especially the ones that aren't English speaking, I just didn't think that it would that it would have that reach. And it really has. It's just been so nice. Yeah, it's really impacted people, including our own listeners who are emailing us who like really wanted us to review the show. Wow, that's so cool. It has. It's also because when it came out in England, it was a very specific age bracket. I feel like I feel like I, I could kind of pinpoint exactly who was watching it. Whereas it's been completely different now it's launched globally. All different kinds of people have been messaging and getting in touch, which is really nice because I think that's what we always wanted for the show. We wanted it to feel like it could be watched wherever. So we're also curious, you know, 
what is next on the horizon for you? And can you share anything about the future of DGM and Get Even? Well, we were all really hoping for a second season. You know, I'd be lying if I said we won. Um, nothing's been confirmed as of yet, but the show is doing really well. So we're all kind of like sitting here, fingers crossed really tightly that we get to we get to do another season. COVID's kind of ruined everything for everyone. Yeah. So everything's been pushed back. For me, I was supposed to be filming something this summer that's been pushed back oh, that yeah. I, I can't talk about, but it's been pushed back for indefinitely. And oh, things no. are slowly starting to pick back up now. So I think for me in the future, I'm just hoping to, first of all, get a second season of a great <laughs> show and just have like a really varied career. I want to just do different things. I want to come to the States. I want to I want to work in film. I want to work in musical theatre. I want to just do so many different things. And I just hope that this is a really nice like stepping stone for that. How do you prepare for roles when you're doing a play versus a musical versus film and show, does that preparation look different for you as a performer? Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, they, they all kind of start in the same way. I like to find out everything I can about the character before I even look at the text. So I do this thing where I pretend that I'm on like a first date with them and they tell me everything that they want to tell me. <laughs> and I decide if I like them or not, if I'm going to stay. And then it's just about applying it to the different texts, television and film has a very different tone to, to theatre and musical theatre. And you have to kind of explore that for each character as a separate entity and decide how they're going to be and how they're going to sound. The good thing with theatre is that you get to make lots of different choices and try them out over periods of time and see which one works best. Whereas with television and film, you have to kind of make a choice and stick with it. But my process for preparing is definitely the same for both of them. I just like to know everything about the characters. And so we've read that you've had this desire and passion for film and entertainment since you were a child. What started that and what got you interested in this career path? Yeah, um, so I actually moved to France for a little while with my family when I was six. Me, my mum and my grandparents moved there. And then I came home when I was 11, 12. So I lived there for about six years. And over there, their education system is just so different to the one that I had in the UK. They're so creatively focused. We would go into the forest and make plays and do dance routines and write songs for our parents as they picked us up. It was just so, all the focus was on the creative arts, it felt like. Oh, yeah. and my first ever experience of acting was we did Into the Woods, in the actual woods. And I was like sleeping beauty, like in this hammock in, out of trees. And, and so I did that for my whole childhood. And then I came back to the UK and it was like maths, English, science. And I was like, whoa, where's the trees and the forest? And like, yeah. it was just so surreal to me because it, I didn't know anything else. My earliest memories of, are of France. So I did, that was all I knew. And then I kind of found drama lessons in school and they quickly became my like favorite place and my safe place. And I think it's because it just felt like what I'd known the whole time. But I still then didn't know that it was something I was going to do as a career. I just loved acting and knew that it made me so happy. And then I used to watch like television programs and films and recreate them for fun in my room. And I just like write out the scripts to things and perform them to anyone that would listen and make them sit through like a two hour rendition of whatever I'd watched that day. And then one day I was watching television and there were some children in the show that I was watching. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're my age. So that means that I could be doing what they're doing. And that was it. I got the bug. I was going to be a child actor and no one was going to stop me. <laughs> that is yeah, incredible. That's what it started. Wow, I'm just picturing like free children in a forest performing and that just seems beautiful. Yeah, I love, honestly. I love that. It was incredible. It was such a beautiful way to grow up. And there was so 
like I say, I mean, th- their school system is slightly different to ours. So you don't go into like hardcore education until you're a bit older. But there was just no emphasis on having to be intelligent. It was more just like, do what makes you feel good. We want you to find who you are before you go into the school system. And then you can learn all these things that are going to help you through life. But for now, just like, do you? And I just think that was such a beautiful way to grow up. Like, I just got to have free reign over anything that I wanted to do. And and there was no fear. That's the thing. There was absolutely no fear. So I came back to England and there was so much fear. <laughs> and so the only way to, to get out of that was to go into drama classes and to have no fear again. Yeah, that makes sense though because there's going to be so much pressure and fear and things to learn as you get older so enjoy those early ages and just be creative yeah absolutely it's so smart I always said if I had children I'd love to bring them up over there in in that way because I think it just did me so much good I don't know if I'd be acting if I hadn't had that where can our listeners find and support you and your work yeah, so I'm pretty active on social media. So I have Instagram, which is just at Bethany Antonia, and Twitter, which is Bethany Antonia underscore. And I'm trying to be more and more active on there every single day and just engage with you guys about the show and what you like. And that's where you will find any updates about a potential season two if we get one. Oh, truly fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> we need to finish that story out. <laughs> thank yeah. you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank thank you you so much for having me. It's been lovely. This was a lot of fun. And we'll put all of your links in our show notes for our listeners. Amazing. Thank you so much. 